Blog Talk Radio. My friends, the opening music was by Save, vocal group from the CD Native Angels by Save. If you want to order a copy, contact SAV, as in Victor AE.org. And of course, they're, they're doing live shows and on Facebook. You can find out all about it if you search them. You can also listen to them for free on YouTube. And you can get the CD like I did on Amazon. I'm your host and friend, Reverend Sharma McCain, and I'd like to welcome listeners to Sacred Sunday. 
Sacred Sunday was created to focus on the tenet that Sunday is a special day to set aside a little time for the spiritual focus, meditation, and prayer. All faiths are welcome, of course, and I'm a Christian in recovery, and all Bible readings will be out of the Ryrie Study Bible. Of course, you may also use any Bible you wish. Uh, in gratitude for our ongoing uh, grace and miracles and spiritual experiences we've had, we have decided to do a Sunday morning Bible study. We've made it all the way through Second Corinthians, and we'll keep going straight through Revelation, and uh, we're doing this in gratitude. So we meet here every Sunday morning. Anyway, we're just focused on being our real selves, showing up, and reading the Bible. Uh, the call-in number, if you have a specific question or anything you want to ask or a prayer request, call 619-924-9744. Take a Sunday airs every Sunday. This morning, it's going to be at 10 a.m., a little bit uh, earlier than we usually do at 11, so that's Pacific Standard Time. Anyway, let's do the opening prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Thank you, thank you. And we pray for all the Christians being persecuted worldwide, their freedom to worship and lives are in great jeopardy. Those whose lives are taken for distorting evil reasons, we believe they have become martyrs, and we God bless them for eternity. We pray for all those who are suffering from violence here at home and abroad, and we pray for those who are sick in mind and body. We pray for the soldiers all over the world, and we pray for those at home, and they, the ones that are suffering, the ones helping get back to their family. We pray for those who have post-traumatic stress syndrome. We pray for those who also have injuries from the war. God bless them. We pray for those who are sick of mind and body, as we said, and those who are lonely and uncomforted. Please, God, forgive us our sins. We pray for those suffering from domestic violence in their own homes, and we also pray to be free from addiction of all kinds. Please, God, send your Archangel Michael to fight against evil and protect all of us and all your angels to watch over everyone, to every corner of the earth and those who can't find out that need your prayers. Those are the ones that we pray for today, the ones that we know is about. Our prayers go out to all those who suffer in the world, including the animals who can't speak for themselves. Please, God, help them. We pray for the wisdom of our president and the rest of our policymakers. They have made decisions to make, and we are praying for all the countries and problems from suffering all over the world. We want to thank you, God. Amen. We ask Jesus to bless us and help us grow under his care. And everyone and their families are in our prayers. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen, and the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Thank you. Happy birthday to everybody. Happy birthday, anniversary, or a special occasion today. We wish you a great weekend and also a great rest of the year, and we wish you a prosperous year ahead. Happy birthday. If you have a special birthday or anniversary you want me to announce on the air, just let me know. And then, uh, let's see. We're gonna, I read out of the Ryrie Study Bible because my original Ryrie Study Bible is now too worn out to read. I just put it away because it's so precious to me. Somebody threw it away in the trash, and I found it, and I've been studying that Bible ever since. So now I'm on my second Ryrie Study Bible. That's why I have the Ryrie Study Bible, and I happen to prefer it. But you can use any Bible you wish, of course. And we also have an online Bible at www.biblegateway.com or my favorite, www.biblia.com. 
you can follow along with us, okay? So what we're doing is this morning, I'm going to read you the recap from last week. We're actually in 2 Corinthians chapter 2. And uh, we're talking about a painful visit that Paul had. So Paul's been writing all these letters to the Corinthians and uh, because it's having a, a bunch of issues there. So uh, last week, we discussed the title, The Painful Visit. So, okay, the real reason that Paul canceled his visit to Corinth because he didn't want to have another painful visit. At least that's what's happened the last time he stopped in Corinth. Apparently, there was some kind of disagreement between Paul and a male member of the Corinthian congregation. Paul doesn't go into details, and we're, we're guessing the Corinthian gossip mill has already made this news well known. Anyway, he doesn't name his opponent. He doesn't. He left out the name. He was very careful, so we just call him the ascending brother. We don't know what happened, but we do know that it was really upsetting about the whole incident. The Corinthians ended up siding with the ascending brother instead of Paul. I can't really believe that, but that's what happened. Anyway, Paul canceled his travel plans and did what he does best. He wrote a letter. This letter made him super sad, though, and he cried a ton while writing it. Anyway, the next part of this is the tears did it. Okay, but good news. The letter worked. Paul hears that the Corinthians have kicked the offending brother out of church. Okay, but now Paul tells them they should work on bringing him back into the church. Oh, I'm, you know, forgiveness and all that. Paul heard all this news firsthand from his friend Titus, who was who had also been to a visit to Corinth. And needless to say, this made Paul very, very happy. But really, this is all God's handiwork. He has led Paul and his fellow apostles on a victory march through his streets. God loves the parade, apparently. <laughs> we know he does. Anyway, Paul and his cohorts aren't like some apostles, really just peddlers of God's word. They're sincere and truthful, and they come from God. And that's, you know what, that's a solid resume. So let's go on to what's going on, the Bible, this week. So this week, get your Bible open to first, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. We're starting at the beginning. So 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And the title of this is The Commendation of Ministry, Changing Lives. Are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Or do we need, as some, letters of commendation to you or from you? You are our letter, written in our hearts, known and read by all men, being manifested that you are a letter of Christ, cared for by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of your human hearts. The covenant of the ministry, the new covenant. Such confidence we have through Christ towards God. Not that we are adequate in ourselves to consider anything as coming from our life, ourselves, but our adequacy is from God, who also made us adequate as servants of the, a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. And for the letter kills, the spirit gives life. But if the ministry of death and letters engraved on stones came with glory so that the sons of Israel could not look intently in the face of Moses because of the glory of his face, fading as it was. How will the ministry of the Spirit fail to even be more glory? If the ministry of condemnation has glory, much more does the ministry of righteousness abound in glory. For indeed, what what had glory in this case but has no glory because of the glory that surpasses it? For if that which fades away was with glory, much more that remains is in glory. Therefore, having such hope, we use our great boldness in our speech. 
and we are not like Moses, who used to put a veil over his face, so that the sons of Israel would not look intently at the end of what was fading away. Wow. But in their minds were but their minds were hardened, for until this very day the reading of the old covenant, the same veil remains unlifted because it it is removed in Christ. Think about that, people. But to this day, whenever Moses is read, all veil lies over their heart. But whenever a person turns to the Lord, that veil is taken away. Now the Lord is in the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from Lord, the Lord, the Spirit. Wow, that was short but powerful. Okay, let me read the notes. That's why I like to write you like oh, really good notes here. So in two two, the meaning of this is if I hurt you, who will be left to make me glad but sad people that wouldn't have any comfort? From last week. Okay, let's read this one. Sorry. Three, one, two, three. The work of the spirit is the changed lives of the Corinthians was sufficient recommendation of Paul's ministry. The adequacy is from God. This answers the question. A new covenant, this message of the grace of Christ, the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. The letter stands for the whole Mosaic law. It kills because of itself it cannot give life. The work of the law was to make men conscious of sin. The spirit, by contrast, gives life to the believers. And then when he's referring to the ministry of death, refers to the law and particularly the Ten Commandments, which are engraved on the stones. Since the law showed man his sinfulness, and gave him no power to break of it, it ministered death. Note that the law fades away. When Moses descended the mountain Sinai, with the law, his face shone so that the people were afraid to approach him. But just as his radiance faded, so also the Mosaic law was temporary. The dispensation of the Spirit comes from even more glory than the old order. There is no question that the law was glorious for its time and purpose. Temporariness and limited purpose caused that glory to fade in the blazing light of the grace of Christ, which is, has its eternal purpose of the bringing of many sons into glory. So now we're up to 3.13. Paul means here is that Moses veiled his face so that the Israelites may not see that the fading away of the transitory glory reflected in his countenance. In 3.15, a veil lies over their heart as long as they consider the law as permanent and do not return to Christ who takes it away the veil. Now the Lord is a spirit. A strong statement that Christ and the Holy Spirit are one in essence, though Paul also recognized the distinctions between them. The unveiled veil face. Paul builds on experience of Moses. We are Christians, he says, behold constantly Christ's divine glory. And this beholding changes or transforms us from glory to glory. For example, from one degree of glory to another. And that will take us on to four, which will be next week. Uh, I just, I did find that very powerful. And we'll do our comments for next week. And we'll think about that one. It's so short, we can read it a couple times and try to get more information from it. So now I'm going to read you a little story out of my favorite little book, The Guidepost, from... This one is from 1997, so let's see here. I'm going to take a story by random and pray to God to help us have an open heart and help us learn 
Every day what we're supposed to learn to bring us closer to him and to be better people. Okay, this one. Okay, this story is called I Promised Mama by Nyson Krakonowski of Brooklyn, New York. It was in a Nazi concentration camp in Stutthof in the Dazing region that I promised my mother, Tesha, that I would look after my brother, Chaim. Though I was still young myself, I think Mama saw that I was the one who had Hitzpah already wise to the ways of the world. But the world's ways were awful days that were inspired by the spirit of evil, I believe. In June of 1941, my family had lived in Kaunas, Lithuania. One day at midnight, a friend frantically beat our door to warn us of the invading Nazis would do to the two us Jews. But Papa, highly respected Taylor, could not believe him. My father, Sherman, was one of the first Jews to be shot in Kaunas. Mama, Haim, and I were forced to live in the, the Kaunas ghetto and to labor on the local military airport. Mama helped keep us alive. One slice of moldy bread washed down with a watery soup was our only daily meal. She would always break her bread in half and give us each a quarter. Mama, what are you doing? I'd scroll. Shush, she whispered, looking around. I don't need so much. It's better if you two have it. It hurt me to see Mama wasting away, but she would not have it otherwise. She reminded me that we do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from God, a reference to Deuteronomy 8.3. Keep your mind on him and son, and my sons for what dwellers of Gehenna are trying to do here won't last. Always have faith, she emphasized, and he will watch over you. I needed him more than ever in that terrible day in 1944 when I and I were herded into a line to be sent to a camp in Kaffering, Bavaria. The Nazis had chosen only those who could work. It's obvious what would happen to the ones left behind. Okay. We had only a moment to say goodbye, and Mama held us close to her bony body, her dark brown eyes full of tears. Then as we turned to go, she held me back a moment. Listen, son, she whispered. You should always keep an eye on your brother. Even if you survive, he will survive. Stay with him always. Yes, Mama, I choked. Promise? I promise. That was the last I ever saw of my mother. When we stumbled out of the boxcar at the new camp, it was so stiff we could hardly walk. A guard began beating me for not moving fast enough. As his truncheon slammed my head, it all went black. I regained consciousness. My face was in the cold, tasty, salty blood. I was glad Mama was not in this place. She would have been overcome with seeing the client of Hyam, who had become more frail every day. He had a bruised right on, on his right leg, making it difficult to walk. Then came the day when they lined us all up into two columns facing each other. Those able to work, including me, stood in one formation. Chaim and the rest of the sick ones were made up the other. The guards stood ready with rifles. I saw Chaim's eyes filled with fear and tears. Heart sick, I wondered, should I run to his line? Finally, in desperation, I took a terrible chance and motioned Chaim to join me. He suddenly left his line and limped towards me. I held my breath, praying for his safety. Everyone stopped, but no one stopped him. They thought, I assumed, someone had given him permission. I knew it was a miracle. Though Hyam remained among us living, he slipped lower. Gangrene had blackened his leg and he could not walk. 
I tried to cover him as much as possible, and the guards were not so strict when rumors circulated the Allies were approaching. I wish they would obliterate the camp and put us out of our misery. Then on the morning of April 27, 1945, the Nazi commandment issued a proclamation. All prisoners were to leave camp at noon to go deeper into Germany, after which the, prom- the premises would be dynamited to the ground. We knew this was to eliminate evidence of atrocities. But what about Hyam and others who weren't able to walk, I worried. By now, everyone else was leaving the barracks. I sat with Hyam and, and looked into his eyes. Hyam, I pleaded, you have to walk. Look, I can help you. No, Nassan, he moaned. I can't move. His thin hand pressed mine. Go, he pleaded. I'll be all right. Go yourself. The barracks had become quiet as the others were lining up at the gate. Just be outside of this place, no matter what, would, would be heaven, just to be outside. Thoughts raised within me. Your mother will never know. Your brother is close to death anyway. Don't be a fool. Go. But I always remembered Mama's hand on my arm and her pleading, stay with him always. I promise, Ma. I leaned down and put my arms around my brother's skeletal body. No harm. I stay no matter what. You heard soldiers hurriedly laying dynamite. Others stringing wires. At this point, I committed us to the arms of God. By noon, only a few of us remained in the barracks. A low chanting of prayers began. I joined in with Hyam, praying that death would be quick. Then a distant rumble. I came closer. The groaning of tanks. It had to be our liberators. Within an hour, American soldiers poured through the gate. The dynamiting never came. Who knows what happened? The soldiers were so kind and so good-natured. They gave us chocolate bars and food. I ate so much so fast, I became ill. Hyam was given medical treatment and recovered soon after. Later, I learned the terrible news. I happened to meet a fellow inmate that had left with the others April morning. He supported himself on crutches. We were all walking along the road when the fighter planes roared down and strafed us with their machine guns. It was dusk. We must have thought we were enemy troops. He stared into the distance. distance. Many were killed. He looked at me and said, you were very lucky. And as he limped slowly away, I thought, lucky? No, I was obedient. So let us be obedient and listen to what God tells us to do. And our higher power as it guides us through our life, let's be obedient. Let's be obedient. And we know we go through many stresses and stripes, and we wonder, God, can we make it? Can we make it? If we're ill, we don't feel like getting up. But you know what? Keep saying your prayers. Just ask in Jesus' name, and he'll help you get up again. God bless you, everybody. It was so nice being with you this morning. Remember to read your Bible. Reread our story that we read this morning, and we're going to go on to Chapter 4 next week as we make our way to the Holy Bible. Now, let's say that serenity prayer as our closing prayer as we pray for those who are out there that are still sick and they need our attention after a moment of silent meditation. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. In closing, may God bless and keep you in his loving arms so that you may have the strength to face whatever is ahead. Remember, we're never alone. God loves you so much. May your best dreams come true and true love live in your heart. God bless you, and I'll see you next week. Love you. Bye-bye.